Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Glad you could make it. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. And today we have another live stream. We do this every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to do what we usually do, which is tell you how shipping went, tell you what's going on here at Dan's Fish, and then we'll get into your questions and comments. So hello, cheers, welcome. Now, one thing you'll probably notice is that the uh, picture is not as crisp as usual, and that's because for some reason, the f-stop on the camera just is not wanting to play ball. I'm not sure why. Yeah, see, it's just, it's just funky, but we're gonna go with it for now. Um, I do have the old camera standing by in case we have to switch, but this is, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but on my screen, it looks a little funky. And when I get on the camera to try to fix the f-stop, the camera's not displaying the f-stop. So something happened, I gotta figure out another time. But for now, let's get into the shipping report. So I'm happy to report that as of now, everything that's been shipped out and arrived has arrived in good shape. I don't think there's been any deaths or losses or dissatisfaction that I'm aware of. If that's not the case, then please let me know so I can take care of you. But as far as I know, we're doing good. However, that all changed today. So today, I got all the, worked all day, got all the shipments ready, um, went up to UPS and everything, everything is fine. And then UPS informed me that there was a grounded plane. So all the shipments that were going out today are delayed a day and won't be arriving until Friday. The good news is this does not happen often. I think this happened once last year, um, back in February or something like that. I can't remember for sure. When there was like a broken conveyor belt in one of the warehouses, the UPS or FedEx warehouse. I can't remember who I was using at that time. It might have been FedEx um, and stuff was was delayed. But <clears throat> it's been a long time since we've had a problem like this. This is every shipment, so everybody's box that was going out and supposed to arrive tomorrow is not going to arrive until, until Friday. So I apologize for the delay. If you ordered from me, I already sent you an email and explained everything, but if you haven't checked your email yet, surprise, you're hearing it now. So <clears throat> hopefully that's the only time this year. Um, I think last year there was just once when there was a major delay that kind of impacted lots of shipments. Um, and apart from that, no, even with that, I think that there was a total of like less than 10 uh, that didn't arrive the day they, they were supposed to arrive. They might have arrived later in the day, but they'd still arrive the day they were supposed to, if memory serves. So sorry it happened to you if you're waiting a shipment right now. It doesn't happen often. It's just rotten luck nothing I can do about it. The plane is just grounded. It's literally just not able to take off right now. So not much you can do about that. So everything that has been shipped out is, has made it and is good. Um, the stuff that the, the good news is I was able to get the fish from UPS and bring them back here. So they're sitting in my fish room right now. So they're not like out in the cold or anything like that. Um, so they're not freezing out in a trailer somewhere or anything like that. They're, they're right here, nice and toasty. I'll take them up to UPS again tomorrow, and hopefully the plane 
will be ready to go tomorrow. If not, I'll be um, redoing all the shipping labels for Saturday delivery. And if that doesn't work, then I've got to really think of what to do. Because at that point, it's like, well, I probably need to take the fish out of the bags. They probably need some time to recover and all that. And so if that happens, that'll be a big mess. But hopefully everything goes out tomorrow um, just fine and, and arrives Friday. Worst case, hopefully it goes Friday, arrives Saturday. I don't think that'll happen. Though. It should go out tomorrow. And then like... If that doesn't happen, I don't know what I'll do. I'll, I'll have to figure it out at that point. So it's been an interesting evening. The day was going just fine and dandy and normal up till this evening. And then I, and then I got this news from UPS and it was like, oh, well, there's a, there's a wrench in the gears. But we'll work our way around it. Everything should be okay. So I think we'll be all right. So that was my adventure today. That and then trying to figure out what's with the camera. But... I didn't get set up as early as I normally do because of all this. And so I didn't really have time to, to fix that F-stop problem or, or whatever it is that's like usually the F-stop's there and I, I change a dial and I can see it change. Right now it just says F and there's no number there indicating what it's actually at. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing I'm pretty fuzzy right now though. That's what I'm seeing. Anyway. That's my world. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, I did want to say that I noticed last week after the show was done that a couple of people had asked about an update on the warehouse. There's not much to update right now. We're kind of in winter time. Um, construction isn't going to take place till things thaw out. But the contractor's tentative date to start is April. So provided the ground is thawed and everything, we're, we're on track to, to be ready to go in April. But not a whole lot happening as far as uh, new stuff to talk about or show. It's, it's at this point, it's basically just getting ready for April. So I will be placing an order for aquariums very soon, though. There's a lot of things that have a long lead time, you know, three, four months a lot of stuff's backed up because of COVID, or at least that's what all the companies are, are, are telling you. So um, stuff that has a long lead time, I will start ordering very soon just so that it arrives, you know, in time. We don't have a big delay from when the warehouse is completed to when we're able to move in because we're waiting on equipment or tanks or something like that. So there is a lot of like ordering stuff and, and prep work happening, but nothing nothing fun, like nothing like here's the new plans. Cause the plans are kind of more or less done. Um, I might be able to show you some other stuff as we go forward. The, the major thing we're doing right now is I did a little pilot test, um, to find out how the sediment affected the filtration so that the, there's sediment in the, in the Creek and total suspended solids, right? TSS, just stuff floating around in the water. And so, um, we needed to see how that affected the filtration system. Looks like that's fine. So now what we're doing within, hopefully within the next week or two, is we're going to actually dig the well um, that we're going to draw from. And it's not like a deep ground well. It's just a surface well on the side of the creek where we can put our pump down and pump from. So the pump's not in the creek itself. It's just off the creek a little bit so we don't, you know, affect too much in the creek itself for environmental reasons and People need to be able to like swim in the creek and 
kayak or whatever, you know, we don't want to put anything out there that hinders any of that or, or affects wildlife or anything. So we're going to dig a surface well, right, right on the side of the Creek. And that's where the pump will go. So that's going in soon so that we can actually put the big pump in there and, and make sure that the well is constructed in such a way that it can pump, you know, a million gallons a day at full bore and that there's plenty of water to, well, it's not that there's not enough water. It's, we want to make sure that the well is constructed in such a way that there's enough water flowing into it from the creek quickly enough that it's not just depleted from the pump. So that's kind of what we're working on next. The, the last of the pilot tests, if you will, just to make sure that the plan as constituted will work. If not, we'll just have to redesign the, the, the well or put in a French Creek or something like that. So there's, there's other options, but that's kind of where we're at on the warehouse. We're at 159 folks. Thanks for being here, everybody. Um, so that's the updates on what's going on with me. Let's get to the giveaway. So we're giving away some rosy Tetras today. I'll send you a few rosy Tetras and I'm going to set up the giveaway right here. So if you would like to win them, it's hashtag Rosie, R-O-S-Y. I've learned candy has taught me well. Keep the hashtags easy. So if you would like to win a group of Rosie Tetras, um, hashtag Rosie in the chat will enter you into the run-ins. And for those wondering about this fish and how to care for it and things, here's, here's the fish. It's a, it's a pretty fish. It looks kind of like a Serpe Tetra, I would say, in the same vein. And they're super hardy, super easy to keep. It, nothing special. It, well, of course, they're a special fish because they're a fish, but they don't have any special care needs that aren't common with all the other Tetras. So if you can keep Lemon Tetras or um, Priscilla Tetras or black neon tetras or neon tetras, you know, those common bread and butter tetras, you'll probably do fine with this species. Um, some people also call these a candy cane tetra, although I think that gets a little confusing, but I've seen uh, places list them as candy cane tetras. They're really pretty though. Um, they get these white tips on the fins, they get this black spot here and a lot of red on them, on the males. So that's what we're giving away today. All right. So that's kind of, my mind's kind of in a whirl right now because it's been a weird last, it was 5.30 roughly, around 5.30 when I found out UPS uh, wasn't going to make it out today because the plane was grounded. And so since then I've been scrambling. So everything's a little, <laughs> in my head's a little, ah, but I think I got it all. Okay. We did the shipment report. We did the giveaway. Hey, that's not too bad. Um, I'm just going to be fuzzy faced today, not just because of this busy beard, too busy to shave these days, but because um, I can't figure out exactly what's going on with the focus here. Yeah, oh, that's going to drive me nuts a little bit. It's too light. Well, I'm just going to I'm just going to leave it and try to figure it out. Next time. Of course, those kinds of problems with cameras and filming equipment and stuff don't happen until like the minute before you're supposed to go live. Right. And then it's like, oh, great. 
Of course, that would happen right when I don't have time to fix it. Um, if it's really bad, um, if, if the image is really bad, let me know and I'll just switch to the old camera. I, I have it set up ready to go, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that it's not, that, that what I'm seeing is worse than what you're seeing. Anyway, let's get to some questions and comments, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on them a lot tonight. So if you have a question or comment, please put it down at Dan's Fish, so it highlights for me, um, because my mind's too discombobulated to think of what to do next, honestly. So that's what I'm going to do next. Scott's Aquatics helping with a hi. Well, hello, Scott's Aquatics. Good to see you. Swamp Thing, with the new warehouse, how much money would you save on heating if you moved to water, warmer climes? Um, I'm not sure exactly. The, the major cost is heating the water that goes to the aquariums. So I don't know until I get in there exactly how much that will be. But my guess is that it could be as much... I don't know. I, I, I don't know exactly how much it'll be, but I would say it's on the order of a few thousand bucks a month in the winter to heat the water. So that's one major expense that would be um, mitigated if, if I move to a warmer area. However, in most warm areas that have plenty of water that aren't, you know, not California or Arizona or, or something like that, um, then you have the humidity. So you still would have to run quite a bit of equipment to dehumidify and stuff. So I'm not sure how much that would offset. Um, although heating water takes a lot more power than, than just reducing humidity. I understand that. Um, and the main thing though, so I thought about this. I was like, well, if I'm going to do this where does it make the most sense in the nation to be situated? So I looked down south. I, I, I looked down like around Alabama and in places like that that are warm, warmer anyway, although it still gets cold in the winter. I looked at Florida. Um, I looked at Southern California. I looked all around and I came to the conclusion, though, that this is still the best place. One, Wyoming is a very, very business friendly state. So in order to, at scale, it costs less to heat the water and things than it would to do business in, in many other states, just because there's so many fees and taxes and stuff. The other thing is, there's a lot of ease of getting stuff done here. It's like a small town, so um, I can get things approved and done fairly quickly. Um, being from California, I know that if I tried to do this like in down in Los Angeles or something where I'm or I used to live, um, I'm just picturing Southern California trying to get something like this done. I, I think it would have been a very long, very, inex, uh, very long, very expensive process. So there, there's lots of benefits to being here. And the, the other thing, one of the main things that clinched it for me are kind of twofold besides the things I already talked about. One is that um, shipping from a cold area is actually better. It's easier. If you live in a warm climate, during the winter, 
a large section of your customers are going to be north of you, right? And they're going to be very cold and you're trying to ship to them, but you're warm. And so you can't put in a heat pack because then the fish will overheat on your end. But if you don't put in a heat pack, the fish will freeze when they get up north. So it, it seems counterintuitive, but I actually think there's great advantage in doing a um, online fish store in northern areas. Because then in the wintertime, you can ship anywhere. You can ship to other people up north, just put in heat packs. I can ship to Florida. I just put in a smaller heat pack or less heat packs. So, so it gets through the cold here, but doesn't overheat when it gets there. Um, there's all kinds of ways to make it work. And the reverse of that is really hard. When I order in from suppliers that live in warm climates, they can't put in heat packs. And the fish come in and often they're quite cold. And if anything goes wrong, if there's a delay or there's anything goes wrong, then it's a massive problem. So um, for me, yeah, for me, being in the cold area actually is advantageous, strange as that sounds. The other thing is Sheridan, Wyoming has, it might be the highest water quality in the nation. Like the, the water is amazing. It comes out of the tap. It's two DGH, so two grains hardness is all. It's very soft. It's, it's pure. It's reliable. It's great water. And then at the other location, at the warehouse location, I'll have access to that water plus hard water. And so I can kind of do both things. I don't have to set up a big RO unit. Um, I looked into all those things. So I could either try to set up in Florida, let's say, have problems shipping in the winter, have to run massive RO units to soften the water, and um, probably not be able to do flow-through system. It probably have to be a recirculating system just because churning out that much water is going to be a problem, <laughs> right? Um, so I could do that or I could heat water and I just went with heating water. So that might be uh, more than you wanted to know, but that was kind of some of the things that uh, some of the things that went through the decision. Hang on, I'm going to try one thing with this focus. Oh, holy cow. Oh, man. That was weird. Oh, there we go. That's better, isn't it? Hang on. This focus is driving me nuts, so I'm just trying something here. I want to see something. Okay. Okay, almost done. Sorry, guys. Okay, does it let me f-stop now? Oh, it does. Okay, hang on. We're almost there. Okay. When I was looking at that just then, that should be better. When I was looking at that just then, I was like, something is off. Like, something wasn't snapped in quite right. And that's what it was. So, all right, we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that ugly look at the insulation on the wall there. That's gross. All right, now I can stop worrying about that and concentrate, sorry. 189 folks here, thanks for being here. Thanks for bearing with me on this strange day for me as I try to um, maneuver real bad news from UPS and, and keep 
the customers informed and kind of scramble to get all that done and get the live stream done. So it's going to be a bit of an odd one tonight. Orange Cones, I don't know any other shipper that would care enough to bring the fish back to the fish room. I applaud you. Oh, thanks. Um, it just seemed natural to me. I, I had a choice. I could just send them and have them be cold or bring them back. I didn't even think about it. So <laughs> it's, I, 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 guess, I guess that is a good thing I did. I honestly didn't even think about it. Just seemed the right thing to do. Fish tank barn. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Fish have been delayed. Swamp thing throwing down 25 bucks. Gas money for your extra trip to UPS and some freelance tech support. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Swamp thing, 25 bucks. That's a serious super chat. I appreciate it. There's actually a little back and forth to that. Um, so I sent Swamp Thing. I'm going to reveal a little bit of stuff here, Swamp Thing. I hope you don't mind. I sent Swamp Thing um, a bunch of rainbow fish, um, some of which were an amazing species called Melanotania classioensis from Classio Creek. The neat thing about this fish is it's a nice orange rainbow fish. It looks like a sequensis kind of, and it's from a very limited habitat. So I think I've talked about this before, but it's like the devil's hole pupfish of rainbow fish. So there's this underwater river that at one point in the land breaks the surface and runs on the surface. And then after a little bit disappears back underwater in that little bit of Creek where it's exposed to the surface, that's called Classio Creek. And that's where the rainbow fish lives. Just this little spot where the underground river kind of breaks the surface of the, of the earth. Um, Anyway, they're cool fish. I sent Swamp Thing those and some other stuff. And one of them did that funky thing where it kind of got discolored. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's a, it's a neurological thing where on one side of the fish, they'll suddenly not be able to control their color very well. And like the head will be dark and then the rest of the body white or the head will be white and the rest of the body dark. I can't remember, but it's, it's just this funky thing that happens And there doesn't seem to be any, like we know it's neurological, like they're not controlling the color on that side of the body. It's almost like that is stroke and they just can't control that side of the body anymore. Right. Um, we don't know for sure what it is. There, there could be lots of things that create a situation where a fish can't control its color properly, but it's obviously a neurological thing. What underlies that, we don't know. But anyway, one of the fish was was doing that. Uh, when did it start? A couple days after he got it. Oh, so I guess <laughs> when I talk about things arriving alive and doing well, I, I guess this is a case I should have thought of, but I didn't. Um, anyway, it kind of did that. But then it seemed to be okay. It, it was eating fine. And it, I can't remember if it actually even reverted back to its normal color or whatever. I don't remember that situation. But that bit. But anyway, Swamp Thing posted that um, on a Facebook group about rainbow fish and I saw it. And so I just automatically <clears throat> refunded him the uh, $20 or $25 that, that that fish cost because I was like, ooh, this customer received a fish. He didn't email me or complain or anything. It's just I saw it somewhere else. And I was like, oh no, one of them's not doing well. So I automatically refunded him his money because in my experience, Fish that do that tend to uh, 
tend to have long-term issues. <laughs> and he responded and was like, oh, no, I love the fish. It's doing fine. It's just it's funky, but it's fine. You don't have to refund or anything. And I responded. I was like, sorry, that's company policy. My hands are tied. I can't do anything about it. And he was like, that's OK. I'll get you back in the super chat. So Swamp Thing, you have the last word. <laughs> you win. Thanks for the super chat. Much appreciated. <laughs> Never required but it does make the wife super happy. And Fish Tank Barn throwing down five bucks for the Rainbow Fish Rescue Fund, loading the dad van for a road trip now. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, if you wanted to come over, man, you're more than welcome. Just give me a day's heads up and you can come on over, Mike. Guppy Fish Nerd, any tips on Red Spot Wolf Fish? I ordered one today. You know, I've never kept that fish. I think it's awesome. I've had friends that keep it. I've seen it several times, but I don't know a ton about it. So I honestly am not the guy to, to give you advice on it. If anyone here has kept wolf fish, specifically red spot wolf fish, but any wolf fish, really, um, if you could chime in and, and help Guppy Nerd as Guppy or Guppy Fish Nerd as they anticipate the arrival of their new pet. Um, that would be awesome, but I don't really keep large predatory fish, so I'm, I'm not sure. There is one wolf fish that I've toyed with keeping, um, and it might be that one. I think sometimes it's called the rainbow wolf fish. It, it's one of the smaller species of wolf fish, but uh, I haven't done it yet, but maybe one day I will. <clears throat> Can't help you though, because I don't know. Alrighty. Scott's Aquatics saying hi. Just got back down there. If you're wondering how far behind I am. And scrolling because chat jumped big time. Okay, the next one I can see is from Zelf Airnide. Do you have insight on breeding torpedo barbs? Not really. So the torpedo barb or roseline barb or roseline shark or Sahayadra denisoni um, is bred in large, large numbers commercially, but I think it's always hormone induced. So I don't know of anyone that has figured out how to regularly breed them without the use of hormones, which is just cheating, right? If you're in the hobby, I, we can do it. I'm sure I, I, there's thoughts both ways on this. I don't have a problem with a fish farm using hormones to breed a fish, um, especially in this case, because that fish was getting severely, this usually doesn't happen. Most fish in the freshwater industry are not collected in such numbers that they have an impact on the species population in the wild. In saltwater, it might be different, um, but in freshwater, almost always that's the case. However, in the case of the roseline barb, they're from a fairly restricted range, and I believe it's in Kerala, India, if I remember right. And they were being collected, they became super popular and just were just being collected in massive numbers and, and started to get pretty endangered. And so, especially in a case like that, where the wild population is being impacted, then I really have no problem with the farm using hormones to breed them because it's saving the wild population, right? So, but that being said, as far as a hobbyist like you or I, how do you set up a tank to breed them? I don't know because they're bred a lot, but it's almost always with hormone use. Now, what I will say is that's from a, a subtropical or more temperate type of climate. So my opinion is 
I would treat them like a shiner or if I was trying to breed them like a, a North American native shiner species or darter species or something, I would cool them down, give them a few months of a cool period, warm them back up. Um, I wouldn't take them so cold as you do for, you know, North American native species, but I, I would do the equivalent of that with where they're from. And I don't know what that temperature is. It might be down to 60 degrees or something like that. I'd have to look it up, but I would do something like that. Also, you have to figure in the monsoon season versus the dry season. So with temperature triggers, light triggers, meaning photo period, and the idea that fish in, they go through monsoon seasons and things like that often go through periods where there's not a lot of food and water quality is kind of bad. And then periods where there's tons of food and water quality is great. So messing with all those things, I bet we could crack the code. But without hormones, I don't think it's something most people can do reliably. Every now and then something accidental probably happens, but reliably, no. Phoebe at Jeff Rose Fishkeeping, what type of fish are the orange and yellow fish on your tank back there? Let's see here. How long did it take for someone to answer? I'm sure it's been answered. But anyway, these are the fish we're talking about. These are roseline sharks or roseline barbs, um, but they are the gold variety. And no, I don't have any for sale right now. And yes, I'm trying to get more. And no, I don't know how soon that will be for anyone else that's wondering. Kevin Long, still need to purchase a 40-gallon tank rack. Just got two 40-gallon breeders. Awesome. You know, you can make them your own pretty easy too. Ted Judy, Ted's Fish Room, has a great video on how to kind of DIY yourself some nice dadoed um, racks, basically out of two by four. So if you make them yourself, I don't know, you can make a stand for 240 breeders for 20, 30 bucks, something like that. But um, there's lots of people that also use the racks out of, say, Home Depot and places like that. So um, I'm not saying you have to make your own by any means, but if you do, you'll save some money. Of course, maybe you don't trust your skills and you're like, I want this to hold. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Jeff Rose Fishkeeping, what kind of commute will you have to the new warehouse? It's a horrible commute of about a mile. I think it takes me a minute. It's less than two minutes to get there. So it's really close. So it won't be a problem at all. I'll literally be able to walk to work if I want to. So, And it's right down the hill from UPS and FedEx. So... It's a pretty good location. It's right by the it's right by the airport. So I'm looking forward to that. New Mexico. I mean, it's a, it's a much longer commute than I currently have <laughs> down the stairs or out to the garage. <laughs> New Mexico Aquatics. It looks like you were on the 1980s TV show Dynasty. They had those fuzzy camera filters to make everyone look younger. Did it work? Did I finally look younger? <laughs> Says little Bobby. Yeah, that's funny. Kevin Long just got to, oh, I think, wait. Oh, wait, I think I kind of answered that. We were just talking about racks. Yeah, so so now you're not just telling me you got racks. You're actually asking for suggestions. Ted's Fish Room is a YouTube channel, and he's got a great video on racks. I think it's also a website, Ted's Fish Room. But check out his video. That's where I learned to do mine. And they've been holding up fantastic. The only thing I will say that I do different than Ted is... See if I can show you this. Is I okay? I admit I'm in my PJ bottoms, so you're gonna see my PJ pants here. But 
I do insert this. This right here is some plywood. Um, and I found that if I insert that, then it just firms up the entire stand. If I leave that open, the stand after time is maybe going to want to lean a little bit. So I, I put that in there just as something to kind of shore it up a bit. And with that little modification, that's how I built the entire garage. They're rock solid. No, no issues whatsoever. So I do what Ted Judy does, but I just add a little bit of uh, plywood, say half inch plywood works just fine. Quarter inch would even do it uh, just to keep them from kind of wobbling front to back at all in case the floor is uneven a bit or anything like that. So that'd be my big suggestion. Check out Ted Judy and then add a little plywood. People throwing money at me. EM throwing down five. Is that Canadian or Californian? No, I'm just kidding. California still uses our money these days, right? Worker Nation, thanks for all you do. Hey, thank you for the super chat. Always appreciate it, and it helps a lot. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, thanks for being here from Canada. That's awesome. Duck's dad, have you considered solar on roof and Tesla-powered walls? Yes, I did. I looked into the cost of solar. I priced it out. If I did it, it would be a massive upfront cost, and it would take 25 years to pay back. So what I do hope to do is in phase two, look at that more seriously, but in phase one, it's just not feasible. I would have to raise another about $150,000, $150,000. Yeah, that's what it was to do the solar for it. And so I would like to do it, but um, with the 25 year payback and that upfront expense, it just wasn't worth it. So I did, I had a company come, we priced it out and all that. The other thing I looked at is geothermal. I looked at all the options. I'm, I, I'm trying to make this as energy efficient as possible. Um, but I'm also a startup company. I don't have a lot of capital to deploy. So, you know, in a, in a few years, hopefully we could say like, okay, we're going solar or we're digging geothermal or something like that. But right now it just wasn't in the cards. Chattanooga Ed punching me in the face with a fox cat and paying $5 for the privilege to do so. It's good to see you, Ed. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here, man. Mark Sportswear screen printing and embroidery. Do you have a floor plan that you can show viewers so we have a better visual of your warehouse? Oh yeah, I've, I've shown this several times. Um, so instead of making you look through old live streams to find it, let me real quickly bring up and show you. Just one sec here. Floor plans, plans. Okay. Let me find the best one. It's probably this one. Let's see. Uh, no. Um, this one, okay, this one will work. Hang on, let me get it the right size. So when I share this with you, it'll look good on your screen. We're almost there. Um, I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on it just because it has not changed since the last time I showed this to everybody and I don't want people that have already seen it to be bored. But, hang on, I'm making it as big as I can. Well, 
I guess we'll do that. So for a second here, you're just not going to be able to see chat, but that's so you can see the building better. Okay, so here's the building. It's 4,500 square feet right now. This is phase one. Phase two will go down here. There's a lot more space that is not reflected on this plan, and we can more than double the space. So all in all, we'll have a little over 10,000 square feet, I think, um, when we're done. This is a loading door here. Um, these are desks for working, and then each of these are rows of aquariums, and there's 60, 40-gallon breeders in each of these rows right here. Now, it doesn't show it, but there's actually a walkway here. So pretend there's a walkway here. Then these are 75-gallon aquariums. There's 40 of them. So in total, we can have 508 aquariums in this first phase one space. What happens is there's a creek that runs over here. And this is where it might be useful to show you a piping diagram. Um, just a sec. Let me bring up one more thing here. I think this will be worth showing. Hopefully this is interesting to everybody. I'm not putting anybody to sleep. Um, exterior piping. I think it's this one. Uh, no, that doesn't really. I'm trying to see if there's a clear... There's so many things. I think I'll keep it with the one we had or it's going to get confusing. Um, okay, let me find that. Oh, geez. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> okay, so let me just explain this. So there's a creek that runs right here or a river. I don't know what the proper terminology is. It's called, um, and so the water comes from the creek, right? It's pumped from a surface well on the side of the creek. And it'll come through two bag filters. These remove sediment. From there, it'll go through two carbon filters. Those remove chemicals. If there's any fertilizers or pesticides or anything like that in the creek water. Then it will go through UV sterilizer, obviously to sterilize any bacteria or viruses. From there, it goes through an economizer, which is a big unit um, that captures the heat from the water leaving the building and injects it into the water entering the building. So we can bring water in from the creek at 32 degrees. And by the time it leaves this economizer, it's reached 70 degrees and we haven't used any electricity or any gas to do that. It's just through exchange of heat, sucking heat out of the warm water that's leaving the aquariums. So it's a cool technology. From there, it goes through a boiler that will heat it the last 10 degrees or eight degrees or whatever to bring it to about 78 degrees. And then it'll go to all the aquariums. Um, when it leaves the aquariums, it will go back through a different UV light to sterilize any viruses or bacteria. From there, it flows through the economizer where the heat's taken out of it to go into the incoming water that's cold. And after it leaves the economizer, it goes back to the creek downstream of where it entered. So that's the basic plan. So what we're doing here is we're doing a system which has a ton of fresh water flowing through it 24 seven. So uh, when it's all said and done, there'll be a million gallons of water flowing through that facility every day. Which means I'm, I hope what I'm trying to accomplish is to have enough fresh water flowing through that we don't have to put filters in each individual aquarium.
So we're just gonna have those big filters that clean up the creek water and, and that's it. So that's the plan. Hope that's interesting, Mark. Alicia AS, still no luck with Nigeria. No, I, I do have some luck with Nigeria. I'm, um, I spoke with the Nigerian supplier a couple days ago. He said that he can ship now, but they're kind of funky, expensive airlines, but that his agent at Delta Airlines says that they should be ready to ship in February. So what I'm going to do, so I said, okay, send me your current list. So um, he should send me his current list probably today, tonight or tomorrow. As soon as I get his current list, I'll go over it, um, redo my order because stuff will have changed a bunch since a year, a little more than a year ago when I tried to order. And um, then I'll go ahead and I'll probably wait a little bit, not too long, but I want to see if Delta really will ship in February. And if they will, we'll do it through Delta. And if not, we'll choose one of the funky airlines and I'll have to pay more shipping, but that's what it is. So yeah, Nigeria looks like it probably is going to be the next thing that comes in. Um, we're just trying to figure out, I guess what I should say is, I guess we're trying to figure out the best way we can get it from Nigeria. We're just trying to figure out the best way to do that, which airline will work best. S. Shrethra, your screen is really blurry. Please adjust. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> blurry is better than bad audio. Yeah, bad audio is the worst for a live stream. I agree. Andrew Purr, have you ever been approached to be on the Aquarius podcast? I have not. And I, I really don't have any interest in doing it, to tell you the truth. Um, I just don't think they're on brand for me. I... So I come out of the entertainment industry, right? I've, uh, I've produced a lot of things that have a lot of content in them. So it's not that I'm a prude and it's not that content bothers me, but it's that I don't want Dan's Fish to be associated with that kind of content. I'm trying to keep it family friendly. I want this to be a place where um, kids and anyone of any belief system um, super religious to super atheist, super conservative to super liberal and everything in between no, that no matter what your age or your belief system or whatever, that you could be part of this because all we're trying to do is pe reach people that like fish. And so I, I don't want my content uh, like to be up against people doing like, like penis jokes and stuff, right? No matter what I feel about it personally, um, branding my company into uh, mixing my brand into something that's crude like that is not the message that, that I want for my business just because I'm trying to be inclusive. So if you're a kid, I want you, if I appear on a podcast or someone else's channel or something, I don't want, say there's a kid or someone that just would be offended by, um, by crude content. Let's just call it that. I don't want them to be like, oh, Dan's fish is there and go there and be like, what? Like, and have that problem. So um, it's just not on brand for me. So even if they approached me, I, I would turn it down. Kevin Long, what about Northern Cal? You mentioned SoCal, but didn't cover NorCal. Oh, because the question was about temperature. If I live, if I put the business somewhere that was warmer in Northern California, it's not warmer. I mean, it snows. So 
Yeah. I mean, it's a little warmer. Wyoming's pretty darn cold, but we were like Southern California, somewhere where, um, where it's warm enough to have an appreciable difference on the cost of heating the water and heating the building. So yeah, I wasn't trying to su- exclude that, but the question related to uh, a specific uh, region of a specific temperature. Max, hey Dan, just wanted to tell you that the Stifidon rutilarius I ordered arrived in good health and is already displaying intense red. Thank you for the little gem. I'm glad you like it. They, I, I want to thank whoever it was that was like, hey, can you get Stifidon Annie in? I really want them. And got me to the point where I was like, okay, I'll try some gobies because it's been a joy. Um, I've always liked gobies, but I'm hesitant when it's like, man, is anyone going to pay 40 bucks for these things? They're only an inch. <laughs> like, is anyone going to do that? Right. Um, the Rudelarius aren't quite that expensive, but still for a small fish, they're expensive. And so thanks to whoever that was that did that and got me to order them. I've been really enjoying all the different species of gobies just a lot. So uh, Max, I'm glad you're enjoying them too. And I hope they do well for you long-term. They, I mean, they're stunningly beautiful. They, they don't hold back. They're awesome. Small Fry Aquatics and everyone, a friend sent me an overnight USPS shipment and it arrived overnight. Boom! (laughs) USPS is back. Look out. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad that worked, Craig. That's great. (laughs) Good to hear. Orange Cones told me it's crispy now. Yep. Dan is crispy. Now you can see how busy I've been. Like, I, I got busy beard. Maybe next week. So, provided I can actually get the fish that were supposed to go out um out like tomorrow and and like it doesn't somehow roll into next week or something um I, I, and i think i will but in the back of my mind is like if ups isn't moving tomorrow or the next day what are you gonna do and i'm like i don't know <laughs> i don't think i'll have to worry about it but provided that happens then i should be caught up on the 20th. So next week, is that, let me make sure. Yeah. So next week should be the last week that I'm playing catch up post holidays, right? The, the holiday rush, uh, and, and not shipping over the holidays due to delays. <laughs> the irony, I get it. The irony is killing me. Um, you know, backed me up quite a bit, but I should be free and clear of that on the 20th. So once that's done, I might be able to find my face, which is what I call shaving, get a haircut and like be a person again. But until then, it's like packing all day, every day. It's that busy. And thank you to everyone who ordered and made 2020 so successful for me. And I know there's a lot of people that had a hard time whose whose livelihood was very much affected negatively by all the shutdowns and things due to COVID-19 and all that. And I I don't want to... um, it feels weird to to be so happy about how my business did when I know others are suffering. But um, so I don't want to diminish that. But it's been an awesome year. We doubled the, our business that we did in 2019. We pretty much doubled it in 2020. And it's been crazy, insane, busy. And so thank you to everyone who is a customer or supports us in any way or spreads the word or whatever. Whatever's happening, it's working. And we're really grateful. So, um, I'm not complaining when I'm like, man, it's so busy. I don't have time to like shave or like sleep. 
it's not a complaint. It's a good problem. And we are fixing it. I, I have an on-site interview Friday with someone um, who I think might be a good person to kind of help pack fish and help me get the shipments out and things um, regularly. And we have some amazing applications for folks to be on our founding team as the warehouse comes on board. Um, if, if you're interested in working at Dan's Fish, please send in a cover letter and resume to dan at dancefish.com. We're still accepting applications. We're looking for, well, watch last week's live stream. It goes over all the details. Um, so all men though, we haven't had any women apply yet. So, you know, we do want to <laughs> encourage everyone to apply. So no matter what your gender or race or whatever, we don't care if you like fish, feel free to apply. Right. I mean, you have to be old enough to work, I guess. Um, and you have to be, you have to legally be able to work in the USA, but as long as that's the case, um, if you're holding back for any reason, like, like don't, if you're a fish nerd and you have some skills, um, feel free. Yeah. It's for everybody. So anyway, I forget how I got on that. Oh yeah. So we are trying to solve some of these things so that in the future, um, things go smoother. People don't have to wait so long for orders and things like that. Um, and I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. We have some, some applications that have come in that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, we have a pretty rigorous interview process though. It's not, it's not easy. Um, there's the general talking thing, but then there's also some stuff. It's like, if you want to be our, our marketing person, say basically the, it would, it's the equivalent of a CMO chief marketing officer. Then we're not just going to talk and be like, Oh, great. We're going to talk in there and be like, okay, now put together your thoughts on this, 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 and this, um, give us a 15 minute presentation or whatever. And then we'll, we'll talk more like we're, these founding positions are so important for the culture of our company and the future of, of what we're building that uh, it's a rigorous process. But if you're up for a rigorous process and you're passionate about fish and think you have the skills to be a good CMO, or um, I guess it would be COO, chief operations officer would be a technical term. Um, we talked about that a bit last week and um, we're on our way to getting some good people on board. Okay. Brian saying, wow, we have not had a tech issue like this. And I can't remember when, yep. It's been a long time. Thank goodness. And I think it was just me. I was in such a rush. Again, I had to scramble this evening because UPS told me last minute, Hey, our plane's not leaving today. You can't ship the fish out. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> so I had to scramble with all that. And then I kind of threw up the live stream last minute. And I think I just didn't snap the lens incorrectly is all it was. So yeah, it's just, just what happens when you're in a rush. Atkins Nature Aquariums. I'm so excited to get wild tiger barbs in the steel blue pistogramma. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. I was bouncing off the walls when I got those wild tiger barbs. It's awesome. And I get it. It's like tiger barbs. Like I can get those at any pet smart, any pet co and I, in, in their little jerks, right? They're pretty hate machines. Why would I want a tiger barb? Well, cause these are wild. And they have a collection location. We like know where they came from. They're pure line tiger barbs. They haven't been hybridized or any of that. And so they're not going to have a lot of the problems of aggression and such that your normal run of the mill industry um, pets, 
pet store tiger barb has. So I think it's cool too. And it was kind of a test because I'm like, ooh, are people going to, how much are these? Let's see here. Let's take a little trip to a store, shall we? Tiger. So these are, yeah, $15.50 each, right? When I saw they were available, wild tiger barbs from, how do you say that? Anjigan? Um, when I saw that, my big question was, is someone going to pay $15.50 for a tiger barb? And so this is kind of a bit of a test. And I'm happy to say there's been some people that have been very excited about them and got them. So I have access to some other wild kind of collection specific types of fish too. So it makes me think, okay, I can try a few more, but I get it. A lot of you are probably like $15 and 50 cents for a tiger barb. I could get 30 of them for that at Petco. I, I get it, but uh, it's, it's just, it's just, they're different. They're very different. You know, it's, I've had it in the back of my mind to bring something like that in since I visited Mike Monji's place. Uh, he's the barb whisperer. He's one of the few people, the only person I've ever met, actually, that all he kind of does is barbs. That's his thing. He's a barb specialist. And I was at his place and he had like tiger barbs in with some delicate other fish. And I was like, how are they not killing each other? And he's like, no, no. Wild tiger barbs, pure line wild tiger barbs are very different than your domesticated forms that have been hybridized and all that. He said, they don't have the aggression. No one in there has ripped fins. Everyone's fine. They've been in there for months. I mean, I think that's a, an honest summary of the conversation. It's been a while. I don't remember the exact words, but ever since then I've had it in my mind, Hey, if I can ever find wild or pure line barbs, I want to bring them in um, so people can keep them without them ripping their other fish to pieces but I'm glad you're excited. Mitchell Broom, do you have any betta brown worms still? Are you able to sex them? I'm thinking about getting a few pairs. Um, so I've sold a good number of them. I probably have a few out there still. Um, yeah, I'm sure I do. Because So for inventory control, generally, let's say I get 100 of a fish in. Um, I'll only list like, 80 of them so that there's a little buffer so that if someone's fish don't do well, I can replace them. Or if a local customer wants to come in and buy some, I can sell some. And generally that works really well. So with the better brown orum, um, I'm, I'm sure I've got some out there that we're on that kind of buffer zone. In fact, I know I do. So I, however, I'll probably still need to give them a little while because I kind of take the best ones out first. Now with most species, that doesn't really matter, but with bettas, there's a pecking order. And so you want to let the weaker ones, you, you catch out the stronger ones and you want to let the weaker ones kind of transition from being subdominant to being dominant for a while and really settling in and eating a bunch and bulking up and being confident before you sell them again. So it'll probably be a week or two before I list them again. But yeah, I, I do have them. Um, I don't know how well I can sex them, to tell you the truth. They're, they're not full grown yet. They're maybe an inch, maybe a little under an inch. So they've got some growing to do before I could just glance at them. And the males have that extra long anal fin and, and all that. But at this small size, it's not very pronounced yet, uh, Mitchell. Now, I, I guess I should say this. 
usually my inventory is pretty good. I rarely have to be telling someone, oops, I know you ordered that, but I don't have it. But this week I have had to do that a couple of times. Um, and what it is, is it's just a, pro- it's just a, an outcome of getting all the fish in and then having to take so long to send them. So let's take the orange Venezuelan corridors, for example, beautiful fish. Everybody wants it. I got, I don't remember how many, but probably a hundred and listed 80, right? Generally what would happen is I would sell them pretty gradually. And so as, as I pulled them out of the tank, like let's say I list them and someone orders. So then the next week I would send a couple batches out, like a couple days worth of shipping out. Right. And gradually I'd see that group go down so I could adjust the inventory as it was sold out. That way, if the invoice said a hundred, but I only had 75, but I listed 80 based on what the invoice said, then as I sold them and shipped them, I would see, oh, we're getting kind of close. And I would take them out of inventory before I oversold them. But I did have a problem. Um, so I got 100. I listed 80. But it must have been that I didn't actually get 100. I, I must have gotten actually less than that. And since they all sold at once, I didn't and, and I didn't ship for several weeks because of the holidays. It wasn't until this week when I or last week I started shipping them. And this week I shipped a ton of them and got to the point where I looked at them. And I was like, Ooh, I have less than I thought. I think I've oversold these. So there are going to be some people that are going to hear from me saying, I'm really sorry. I thought I had more of these because you got a hundred of them. You put them in the tank. You're not counting them. Like they're swimming around and everything. It's not until as you gradually sell them off that you can be like, Oh wait, now I can count them and I've only got 20 left. I thought I had 30. I better go adjust that, right? So every now and then it's not a perfect system, but it, it works pretty well. But I apologize to the folks that, uh, that on that fish, I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry. I don't have as many as I thought. Gubby Fish Nerd, any tips on the red spot wolf fish? Oh, I don't. Never kept it. Let's see, Jeff Rose Fish Keeping. Hey, Jeff Rose, hope you're doing well. Good to see you. Throwing down $4.99 saying, my birthday is Sunday, everyone, just so you all know. <laughs> That's what we call a lost leader. Throwing down $4.99 so that on Sunday you get a lot more. <laughs> hey, Jeff Rose, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for the super chat. Andrew Purr. Oh, I already got that one. Oh, chat jumps. So I'm sorry. I know I'm way behind. I'm sure there are lots of people who just got cut off. The, the next comment I can see is from Danny Wetchy. It says, I have you on three devices. <laughs> there is no escape. I have you surrounded. <laughs> That's funny, Danny. Um, so please list your question or comment again if it was above Danny Wetchy's comment um, because I can no longer get to it. Jeff Rose Fishkeeping, what will your fish room at home consist of once the warehouse opens? So I don't plan on it first everything's going to the warehouse i might keep like this tank in the 100 gallon below it here in the house but i'll probably only have one or two tanks at the house if any to start my hope is once the warehouse is up and running and and staff are able to take care of operations and stuff like that what i would really like to do is then break out 
and do a breeding system either at the warehouse or here and focus on doing a massive video series on breeding, incubating, and raising lots of species of fish. That's, that's where I come from. That's what I truly love. And, um, and I miss it. So in, and I don't think there's a lot of that out there. I think Mark's aquatics does a good job, but most people, when you see a breeding video, it's like, you see one step of it. You see the bed is embracing in a male with a bubble nest, right? Um, now there's a few folks that have gone further than that, but just an example, what you typically see. And what I want to do is, okay, here's how you select the pairs. Here's how you condition the pairs. Here's the breeding setup. Okay, they bred. Here's the eggs. Here's how we take care of them. Oh, they hatched. Here's how we take care of the babies. Here's the food we raised to take care of the babies. Here's what they look like a month later. You know, things like an in-depth thing. So um, that's kind of eventually where I would like to get as far as YouTube and making videos in, in my, my hobby side of fish keeping. Right now, it's all the business. Um it just takes so much to launch a business that, uh, I mean, I have my hobby here. I'm raising some electric blue acaras and I, I'm, I'm raising a few things here, but mostly it's, there's so much to do that it's all focused on the business. Paul Soltero makes, make sure you post a no peen in the Creek sign, a little upstream from your intake. <laughs> <laughs> I will, but I don't think the fish will read it. There's lots of fish in that stream. Yeah, but that's why we have all that filtration. Yep. Zeph, would a large group of honey gouramis 25 plus work in a 125 with a small group of electric blue cars? That actually sounds really good, Zeph. Um, I would do that. I can't think of any reason that that would not be a good idea. Yep. Of course, you're going to try it. And for some reason, it'll be a problem. But I don't think so. I, I think that sounds amazing. If someone here can can be like, oh, no, I tried that. There was a problem. Please let us know. But just from what I know, I, and I've never kept them together. But from what I know of both those species, I think they would get along just great. And I think that would look amazing. That yellow with that blue. Yeah. Andrew Purr, can you use hand warmers to keep fish warm for a few hours in a cooler picking up from a swap meet. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's how I ship fish is I put heat packs in there, which are just large hand warmers that last a while. So, um, hand warmer, I don't know what they're little, like, what are they? Eight hours, 12 hours, something like that. But yeah, they can definitely work. They're just small heat packs. Sure. Um, don't put them directly on the bag. Make sure there's space between the heat pack and the bag. Don't cover the pink stripe on the heat pack. If hand warmers even have those, I'm not sure. Um, and there's a couple things of what you have to do to use them successfully, but absolutely. I would use them just like a heat pack because that's what they are. They're just smaller. Gold nugget pleco tetra, any true orange bosmani? I don't know what you mean by true orange bosmani. Um, there's in, in the world of rainbow fish, there's location pure, and species pure, but there aren't any like captive bred strains of like, this is the orange one or the purple one or something like that. So um, I do have Bosmani from Aves Creek or Avis Creek, and I do have Bosmani from Atinjo. So I have pure strain Bosmani, and they're usually sold as red Bosmani because 
they tend to be more of a darker orange color than the typical aquarium strainbos moni, which uh, these days is kind of like a light yellow color with a blue, right? So what would normally be a fairly light yellow color on an aquarium strainbos moni in um, Aves Creek and Atinjo is more of a darker yellow, kind of an orange color. So they call that red in the trade. But uh, yeah, that's that's my only way that I know to answer that. I don't know of any kind of like person that's developed an orange strain. There's just pure lines and non-pure lines. Species pure and location pure. Michael Meliere, at what point in breeding, selling, shipping fish is it important to file paperwork and start a company rather than just re reporting it at your own income? Um, I would talk to, if you have a friend that's an accountant or something like that, um, I, would, I would ask them because I don't know the laws in every state. There's, what I did for a long time is I just reported it as extra income. Um, once it got to the point where I was like, no, I'm going to do this for real. Um, then I started actually before that, when I wanted to be able to buy things in bulk and um, get the tax incentives and things, then I filed the paperwork. So I don't know exactly. It's a strategic thing and a legal thing. So figure out what the laws are where you live and then within the law, strategize what works best for you is how I would approach it. So I can't give you anything more concrete than that. I'm sorry. Cheshire Cat, where I lived in Northern California, the weather was no different than where I'm at in Southern California. Well, you must have been on the coast. <laughs> where I was born up in the Sierra Nevada mountains, it was very different than when I lived in Los, Los Angeles. Yeah. But you're right. If you're on the coast, meh, the coast is the coast. Like Bay Area to LA, yeah, coast is the coast. Kyle's Aquarometrics. I don't think the Aquarist podcast is the crude one you're thinking of. It's the one with Randy. Oh, there's another one that's crude. I am sorry. Yeah, I would totally do Randy's podcast. Yeah, I would be happy to do Randy's podcast. What one am I thinking of? There's another one. I can't remember. I think. Yeah, I'm sorry. My mind automatically went to the other one. Because, yeah. Sorry about that. I did get them wrong. Yes, Randy, I apologize, man, if you're hearing this or something gets back to you where I'm like, I wouldn't take that meeting. I, I was thinking of a different podcast entirely. Kyle, I'm so glad you uh, you clarified that because <laughs> the Aquarius podcast is absolutely on brand. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. Skipper's Aquariums, to ask Dan a question, make sure you type at Dan at the beginning. Yes, the at symbol, Dan's fish, so it makes it nice and bright and orange for me here so I can see it. T. Trumper, could you talk about breeding pearl gouramis, please? Would it be more difficult than rainbow fish? Cheers. Um, no, it's kind of the same difficulty. There's totally different ways of doing it. The difficulty with both those species is that the babies are so small that uh, you really, to get good success, 
to raise a large batch, big and healthy, that you really need to raise small live foods. And baby brine shrimp doesn't cut it. It needs to be paramecium or infusoria or rotifers, something like that. So the key to raising both those species, in my opinion, is figuring out how to raise the food to feed the babies. Um, but pearl gouramis, um, pretty standard. Lower the water volume down to like three, four inches. Don't, don't have a high water column. Um, they like to build the bubble nest under cover. Like if you have a bunch of floating water sprite or something like that, that would be a great thing. Um, it's, it's pretty standard anabantoid breeding. The, the challenge just becomes when, when you have to feed all those babies. So I don't think pearl gouramis are difficult to breed. Um, I bred different species of gouramis. I, I don't think I've ever bred and raised pearl gouramis, but I know lots of people that have, and they're a standard in the hobby. They're bred and raised all the time. But yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, yeah, the food's the major obstacle. Really? Cubby Fish Nerd, any tips on breeding sparkling gouramis? I've never bred and raised um, like purposely, like intentionally, besides just like something appearing in the tank and being like, oh, look, there's a baby, right? I've never like been like, I'm going to breed these and gone and done it. So all I would know is is what I've read and seen videos of and, and found on the internet. So I know they're a little cave spawner. So you want a little cave for the bubble nest. And beyond that, I've never really uh, gone beyond that. Official firmage. What do you think about pygmy corridors? I love them. They're awesome. Get a group. If you're going to do pygmy quarries or any quarry, but especially the pygmy species, um, any of those small species, pygmaea, hebrosis, hestatus, all that. Um, big groups. They are amazing in big groups. In small groups, yeah, they're cute, but you don't get all that behavior. In a big group, they're just a whole different thing. So my best advice for the pygmy quarries is get a lot of them. Jeffrey Roth, it was me who asked and wanted the gobies, but you sold out before I could buy again. I wanted at least two, but I never saw them listed. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Hey, thanks though for um, the nudge to get into gobies. I was really nervous about it, but I'm really happy I did it. And yeah, those Annier sold out so fast. I'm not surprised um, they sold out before you could see them. It was quick. Well, and then they became ninjas and escaped. Edward Nelson, Nielsen. Thank you. Help you help make fish breeding happen. My tanks in 2020. Hey, I'm, I'm breeding is pleasure. I'm happy, happy to help. Yep. Glad, glad I could be helpful. Orange Gones, if I could sell my house here in SC, I had so moved to Wyoming and the, the hubby would love it too. Well, it's just a house. That's easy. <laughs> Probably the most stressful thing anyone could do is try to sell a house, right? Paul Soltero, Wyoming is just a little bit of a commute from um, Southeast North Carolina. Otherwise, I'd be knocking on your door. I get it. I mean, not everyone's going to want to live in Wyoming. That's for sure. Although, I have to say, as a guy that moved here from like Southern California, best thing I ever did, especially with the state. I, I'm not going to get into politics, but let's just say I'm glad I moved and the timing was great. 
Esshretha. Just curious where you located. Maybe someday I want to win your fish room tour like a giveaway. Oh, you people are always welcome to come tour. Just I, I need to have notice. It's not something you can just drop by. I'm in Wyoming, so that's why no one ever comes. I mean, every now and then, like this summer, uh, Rick came. Uh, he was on his way to Yellowstone. Not Yellowstone. Yes, Yellowstone. And I was on the way. So from Louisville, Kentucky, happened to be in my neck of the woods. And so every now and then someone is able to come by. But I get it. We're a bit off the beaten path. But man, it's been good. It's been good for me and my family. W. Marion at Candy Overhauls. Whoops. Well, Dan's Fish, how many Rosie Tetras in the giveaway? Um, minimum of three, maximum of six. Probably six. Punchy paints. Wind is howling here, shaking the house. Is it up there too? Yep. That's why the plane is grounded. There's a big wind advisory. Um, and uh, that's why the plane from UPS couldn't take off. That's what they told me. They're like, yep, there's an advisory. They can't fly. So, oh, it, it was, it was uh, very strong. So we got a Chinook that came down and the nice thing is it warmed the weather. It was 60 degrees here today, which is crazy warm, but it takes a lot of hot wind to create that kind of temperature. So it was a strong Chinook for sure. Papa Shrimp Aquatics. Looking forward to the L471s and Black Rams coming in next week. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to – can't wait for you to have them. They're both so cool. I love those little – so the L471, for those that don't know, that's the mini snowball pleco. It's a great little fish. It only gets like two inches and has the white spots all over it like a snowball pleco. It's beautiful and it stays small. So it's like a win, right? A lot of times it's like, oh, that pleco is awesome. Oof. Gets 16 inches. That pleco is awesome. Oh, that one gets three feet. That pleco is awesome. Oh, it only gets two inches. You know, it's uh, two to four inches. That's my sweet spot. I mean, I'll get bigger ones occasionally like the goldies and stuff just because they're so cool. But Two to four inches, maybe five inches. That's that's a good pleco for me. Max, oh yeah, Stiffidon group of gobies quickly climbed up my favorite fish list. I keep multiple species. They display an endless repertoire of behavior. Yeah, that's the thing about gobies, right? Even if they aren't colorful or displaying color at that time, their behavior is still so cool. They're like little people. I swear they are. Very, very personable. They remind me a lot of uh, like puffers in that way. There's certain fish that just are, are more personable. They interact more with their owner. They're more curious. Like I'll put my hand in the goby tank to feed them and they'll just jump on it. Like they're, <laughs> they're so fun. Gold nugget, pleco tetra, any true orange boast money. I already got that one. Okay, chat did a big jump again. Next one I could see is, oh, didn't jump too far. That's not too bad. Here we are, orange cone. So you're becoming an airline overselling seats. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I have it. The inventory system usually works really well, but uh, it failed me on a couple species This with all the holiday rush and and not being able to sell stuff off kind of gradually and see how it's going. Yeah, it kind of got me. Mitchell Broom, every time I walk by the Pseudomugil reticulatus tank, I end up spending a while just staring. Yes, that's awesome. And I don't know if it was you, Mitchell, but um, 
I got an email today with pictures of someone who's already got eggs from the reticulatus. Maybe it was you. I, oh, I can't remember for sure. It's been a day, but um, I am thrilled. Like if we could get that species uh, established here in the United States, they're so beautiful. They're personable. They're so pseudomilgills in general, like the furcata and the luminatus and all those, they have a very specific kind of swimming habit and behavior and stuff, right? And it's quite different than, say, your typical melanotania. Whereas the reticulatus, even though it's classified as a pseudomugil, it really reminds me in its behavior and swimming patterns and all that, just how it exists as a, as a thing in space. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of melanotania. So to me, it's like a melanotania that was shrunk down. Um, I know that's not accurate, but yeah, I like them. They're just different from all the other pseudomugils that I've, I've ever kept. Atreus Kind, 173, any tips for ember, pet, ember petros, ember tetras? I picked up eight. They seem to be doing fine so far. By the way, first time keeping a tetra. Um, with ember tetras, if you're used to keeping fish, I don't have any tips for you. Like, if you can keep a white cloud, you can keep an ember tetra as long as it doesn't get too cold. Um, that's the only real difference keeping-wise. They're hardy. They're beautiful. They're active. They're peaceful. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any specific tips because they're an easy fish to keep. So I'm thinking some of us would tune into 90 minutes of water management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nerds and then there's nerds. <laughs> Mike Stambaugh, have you ever had issues shipping Cyprochromus? Uh, had to order nine shipped to me overnight and one made it. Why are they so fragile? So I haven't had issues shipping those Cyprochromus um, or um, what's the one? Uh, Parasyprochromus or any of those. Um, but I ship very differently than most folks do. I, I used to sell them fairly regularly. I, I have a friend named John Niemans that owns, a, it's the fish house. He just has a ton of cichlids and stuff and breeds lots of them. And when I was living in Southern California, um, I would buy fish from him and ship them out quite frequently because he, he was in town, right? And so um, he was a supplier and a friend. And so it didn't have a problem, but did it really different? You know, you, you clear the fish's system, you put one fish per bag, you put them in an oversized bag, uh, you ship overnight, and, um, and they should be okay. But they are a lot more sensitive to ship than your average African cichlid. If you're the average African cichlid guy and you're like, man, I put 20 Mabuna in this little bag and they're fine, and, and the bag arrives and you can't even see through it, it's so dirty but the fish are all alive. That's Mabuna for you. So Cyprochromus, you can totally have success with, but you have to treat them. Uh, they're not a fish like, you have to treat them the right way, I guess is what I want to say. And every fish should be treated the right way. The industry just doesn't do it. But there's a lot of fish where even if you don't treat them the right way, you don't necessarily suffer ramifications all that often. You can get away with it enough of the time that people still do it, right? But then there's fish like that, that if you don't treat them the right way, yeah, they're gone. 
But treat them the right way and they'll be fine. At least that's been my experience. Um, but that's my experience with most fish. I, yeah, if you, if you just take the time to pay attention and, and do things in a way that is more about the fish rather than your own convenience or, or worrying to do things as least expensive as possible or something like that, if you make it about the fish, I think almost any fish can be shipped successfully. I'm sure there's exceptions, but I haven't run into them yet. B-Star, breeding for profit in a 55-gallon tank? Sure, sure. Small, in-demand, and decent price point. That's, that's kind of look for a species like that. Terry's Tropical Tanks. I special ordered two uh, Prochilotus. They landed super skinny and not eating. Yeah, I've run them through two doses of Metro and seen some scraping behavior, but not sure if they're actually eating. Um, that can be rough. So so you've done Metro. You might want to try some Prozzi. You might want to try some Levamisol because Metro will, will kill some things like protozoa, but it's not going to kill worms, let's say, or or several other things. So um, if you've done two doses, wait, just two doses or two rounds? Okay, two doses of Metro. So a round of Metro is much more than just putting it in one day and then putting it in the next day. That's two doses of Metro. Um, you want to run that for about seven days. I would add Praziquantal um, to that. You can treat Prazi and Metro at the same time. When you've done that, Let's say you've done two days of Metro. I would do five more days, follow the instructions, but five more doses. And I would do Prozzi at the same time. Once you've done seven days of both, let's say, then I would take a break for a couple days. And then I would treat with Levamisol, wait three days, treat with Levamisol again, wait three days and do it again. What you're trying to do is clear out any intestinal issues that are keeping them from eating. Now, it could be something else. It could be bacterial. It could be a virus. Um, in which case, the medicines I just talked about are not going to help you. But if we're suspecting a parasite, and I think that's probably the most likely thing. I'm not a veterinarian. I'm not a doctor. I'm not qualified to diagnose or treat fish. But um, barring a better choice, um, if it was my fish, that's how I would do it. Rockford Fishkeeping found brand new. Oh, and the other thing before I get to Rockford Terry's Tropical Tanks is a very low stress environment. Do whatever you can to keep them stress free. Maybe low light, um, maybe no other fish in the tank to bother them. Whatever you can do to just so they can chill because stress equals compromised immune system. 823. Okay, we've got a little time. Rockford Fishkeeping found brand new Lumia babies in the low boy today. Awesome. Awesome, Rockford. I hope they do well for you and you can raise a nice big batch because when you get a colony of those things, that's when you see the true joy of that fish. Guppy Fish Nerd, you ought to breed the gold denison barbs. Yep, they are awesome. Oh, wait, I missed so much. What? It's raining fertilizer and I didn't even see. Kent's Fish, thank you for the one, two, three, four, five, six, no, five piles of fertilizer topped by Xana Doo Doo. Folks, thanks so much. 
like, when did like piles of poop become a thing? <laughs> B-Start, live food you can grow outside. Tanks don't freeze for me. Okay, live food that you can grow outside in, in the outside tanks won't freeze, I think is what you're saying. Well, Daphnia will do very well outside, um, especially in cooler weather. They don't like the heat of the summer, but if you have water that's nice and cool over the winter and doesn't freeze solid, Daphnia is one that you could do. Scuds are another one. Um, those are two I would look into to start. But Daphnia actually have problems when it gets warm. They like it cool. Swamp thing. Some of us would listen to 90 minutes of water management tips. I live on a swamp, not a creek. Yep. Well, you probably have a lot of water cleaning to do. You've got to filter that out. Wichita Falls Fishkeeper are the L471 wild caught or tank raised. Thanks. They're tank raised, uh, Michael. Gary Duncan, when you list fish for sale and list their size, do you have them for a while and they double or triple in size? Do you update on the website and does that affect shipping price? So Gary, generally I list a fish and kind of forget about it until I have to reorder that fish and repost the size. So if I bought a fish and it's an inch and for some reason they don't sell and six months later someone buys it, um, it's probably bigger <laughs> at that point. I would hope so. Um, that being said, sometimes I do go through and I'm like, oh, wait, no, those are way different size and I catch it. But uh, honestly, I don't have a good system for that. So sometimes they might be bigger than what they're listed as. So I guess until I get better at that and and I'm just bad at that right now, it's hard to remember. Like I list the fish, it's like, okay, the fish is up, it's good and I move on right um, if size is something that is a concern um, feel free to ask me Dan at dancefish.com are these actually this size like if it's important that they be smaller because you have small fish and you can't put a two inch fish in with them but you can put a one inch fish in with them you know in those kinds of cases feel free to ask and I'll always tell you what size they are what size they are I know that's a failing on my end it's just it's hard to remember like Oh, it's been three months. Maybe I should update that listing, right? Orange fromage. I'm buying more pygmy quarries because three died from shipping. Oh, I have three remaining right now. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, if they came from me, if you wouldn't mind letting me know, dan at dancefish.com, um, what happened, I would, anytime someone gets a fish from me, if they don't do well, I want to know I want to know why so I can correct it for the future. So I don't know if you got them from me or not, but if you did, would you let me know um, what happened so I can look out for it? If you didn't, don't bother. It's okay. But but if you did, I want to correct for that for the future. 827, Rick Bunn, not sure if I missed this info somewhere, but is there any requirement to treat the water leaving your system since you're in such close proximity to the creek? Rick, there's actually no requirement, um, but I do anyway. So the water leaving the system will be a lot cleaner than the water coming into the system. And that's why when we, when the water leaves the system, we run it through a UV sterilizer because I want to make sure we are not introducing any disease from the aquarium system into the creek. I would just not be able to live with myself if I did that. So um, we do that and it also runs through the heat exchanger so it cools down before it leaves because the water in the creek is fairly cool. 
And so you don't want to be, uh, temperature is an issue. You don't want to be putting a bunch of hot water into a cold creek because you'll change the parameters at least at the outlet point, right? And you can have issues doing that. So um, I've, I've had all those meetings with DEQ. They don't have any requirements, honestly, because the volume that I'm doing doesn't meet the threshold for them to get involved. However, even without the requirements, we're doing some things anyway, just because I want the water, I want the whole thing to benefit the local environment. I'm going to be using energy. I'm going to be using electricity and gas, right? I, I can't help it, but I don't want to do any more damage than that. So um, I'm doing, I'm being very careful so that I'm improving the water when it gets to the creek instead of uh, using it as a sewer. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> All right. I think that's all we got time for. Sorry to everyone whose question or comment I did not get to. I know chat jumped big time a couple of times. So some of you, I just couldn't get to your chat because the chat just jumped so far. Um, I always try, but <laughs> let's face it. I'm never getting to everyone's question. It's, it's just not how we roll here. But thanks for asking everyone that left a question or comment. I really appreciate it. It makes it a lot easier to do a live stream, especially on a day like today when I'm kind of scattered just because I, I had so many last minute things thrown at me that I had to deal with. But let's get to the giveaway. So this person will win a minimum of three, a maximum of six rosy tetras. And I will send them probably on the 20th. If not, then it will be the 25th of this month. And the winner is Keith Hanshaw. Keith Hanshaw, please let us know you're here. You've got a, about a minute to chime in and say, hey, I'm here. Congratulations on winning. Let's just make sure you're here before we get all excited and congratulate you, though, because there's been a couple times recently where it's been like, and the winner is so-and-so, and so-and-so -and -so never shows up, and it's a big downer. <laughs> so while I'm waiting for Keith, here's one from Paul Soltero. Have you ever thought about using a heat exchanger for the water going back to the creek? Yeah, that's, we are. We are using heat exchanger. Yep. And, and it's, it's good for me. It's good for the creek. It's good all around. So it's, it's going to make the running the thing much more efficient. Official fire mage, not fromage, fire mage. I bought it from Aquahuna since I heard great review from them. Oh, the, the quarries. Okay. So it wasn't me that you got the pygmy quarries from. Okay. Well, I'm sorry you lost them. It makes me feel a little better you didn't get them from me because then I'd have to be like, oh, what happened? And go fix that. But um, I'm sorry you had a, an issue. That's never fun. Keith is here. Okay. Congratulations, Keith. You have won. Just send me an email, dan at dancefish.com saying, hey, I'm Keith. Give me your first and last name and your mailing address. And I'll send them either the 20th or the 25th of this month. So they would arrive, um, it's, it's overnight shipping, so they would arrive the next day. All right. I thanked everyone that left a question or comment. Thanks to the mods. I appreciate you guys every week doing what you do. You're the best. Thanks to everybody that left a super chat. Money is great. It's amazing when it drops from the sky, even if it's in the form of a pile of fertilizer. Kent and Xanadoodoo. Xanadoodoo did a doo-doo. Um, Everybody that's lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone watching on the replay, 
I hope you can join us live sometime, but until then, enjoy the replays. And just guys, thanks for being an awesome community. I enjoy this every week. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. I'll see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, have a good one. Um, bye-bye.